you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. So Jake and I did have this conversation uh, over FaceTime recently, uh, and, and he's, he's, he's teed up, which is a bigger conversation. So Jake just brought to us this idea of the lectionary. Uh, for, uh, looking for centuries, the church has used a common set of readings uh, connected to the calendar to make sure that we're kind of covering the whole of Scripture over, for us, a three-year cycle. And there's a high degree of correlation amongst churches who use the lectionary and churches who uh, have a very formal liturgical practice in worship. So we have the, the liturgy we use for communion, and the liturgy we use for uh, baptism, the, the idea of a call to worship. But then there's also a high degree of correlation amongst churches that follow the church calendar. If, you're, uh, if you did grow up a church where they just like picked, hey, we're going to preach through Leviticus for the next 47 weeks, uh, there probably wasn't a whole... That's a long <laughs> Offerings did that one year. They preached through Leviticus for 52 weeks. Um, and they never did it again. Um, <laughs> there's certain laws you don't want to fall on Mother's Day, and they just happened to. And it was just... Uh, okay. So, he's not used to lectionary, but he's also not used to highly liturgical worship. And the church calendar tends to be less structured in churches that don't follow the lectionary and that don't uh, have a highly formalized liturgy. Maybe you kind of acknowledge Easter and Christmas, but the rest of it is just Sunday. Uh, we, uh, I run with a fairly liturgically nerdy group. Uh, we, we embrace the, the depths of all these gifts from the church, and, uh, and Jake has brought us to the point where all three intersect on this particular Sunday. He is right. We absolutely just read uh, this Mark passage in two different Sundays. We used it uh, in the calling narratives and in the baptism of the Lord Sunday. Um, but what we've done is we've entered into a brand new time in the church calendar where the church is going to ask us to look through a different lens at some of these same stories. So when we started Advent, we entered into kind of the first cycle of the church calendar. Advent begins for us the kind of season of light, where we're looking at how God reveals God's self. And we do this through the kind of look forward in Christ and the looking towards Christ's first coming. And we, we land in Christmas season and we ask, what does this reveal about God as Jesus took on flesh? From there, we come to the baptism of the Lord, and then we enter into this time where we look at things like the calling of the first disciples, their training, Jesus' first miracles, and finally, the transfiguration. And so that, that is the first half of our church year. It's a little bit less than half, but it's the first half of kind of our church calendar. And then uh, on Wednesday of this last week, we started the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday, which starts the second cycle of the church calendar. So we've been all about light since the first Sunday of Advent until last Tuesday, until Wednesday at 6.59, we, we, had a, we, we let us celebrate light until then. Then we switched to the season of life, L-I-F-E. I know I don't always enunciate. We go from light to life. And uh, this particular lens invites us to begin to consider what does the life of Christ teach us about our lives? And so we're going to move from kind of this big God picture to this kind of more... Uh, focused look at Jesus, uh, his particular life, 
up until Pentecost Sunday, and then we're going to spend the rest of the year from there looking at our lives, how we as Christians embody the things that God revealed in the life of Jesus. And so we looked at uh, this, this Mark 1 text in Epiphany, particularly looking and asking the questions, what does the baptism reveal about God? Uh, how does this tell us these things about who and how God is? We come to it now to ask these questions about what does it mean for our lives to look at these texts? Before we were doing Christology from above, what is this about God uh, enfleshed in Jesus? And now we're doing Christology from below, which is what does it mean for Jesus to be human? And what are these texts reveal to us about our humanity and the way in which we ought to live and, and to love and to bear, bear witness? And so we actually have uh, three distinct stories happening in uh, today's gospel lesson. Mark is a succinct writer. Matthew, Luke, and John get wordy. They have these super long infancy narratives. John has this whole Greco-Roman uh, rhetorical, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, Mark is like, hello, Jesus is born, let's get going, and jumps right in and does three stories in seven verses uh, that tell us something particular about Jesus and his humanity over and against Jesus and his divinity. Not that these two are separated, but we can look through different lenses. Jesus comes to the waters of baptism. Jesus goes to the wilderness of temptation, and then Jesus declares that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And these three stories uh, get drawn together on this first Sunday of Lent, where we begin a season of self-reflection, a season of penitence, a season of, of kind of examining our own sinfulness, and then looking at God is transforming that for us. For much of my life, Lent was a season where we were supposed to transform ourselves, where we were supposed to do these things that we could be uh, good, we could be holy, we could be whatever. Uh, but uh, what these texts begin to show us is that what God is doing in Christ and what now God is doing in Christ in us, and they each reveal something about what it means to be human if we're going to look to Jesus and the cross for how we are human. Uh, if ever there was a human who did not, go to the, did not need to go to the waters of baptism, it was Jesus of Nazareth. Mark is, or uh, John the Baptist is offering up this uh, baptism for repentance and the forgiveness of sins and uh, kind of marking a life of righteousness. And uh, Jesus, fully able to sin, never does sin, and yet he still goes to these waters uh, to publicly declare his allegiance to the God of Israel and to name that his life is going to be a righteous life. If Jesus was going to go and declare his allegiance to God the Father, and to declare that his life was righteous, we are just right from the very get-go of this text invited to do the same thing. That as we enter into, as the liturgy says, uh, a holy Lent, uh, that we might declare our allegiance to God and our desire for a righteous life. And the beautiful thing is, in the moment, Jesus, who though in the form of God did not think it's something to be exploited, uh, he is, is kind of... Uh, he meets the Holy Spirit as it takes the form of a dove and descends on him. Darren is much more articulate than me, but for a second I thought he said a duck came down. And I was like, I got very distracted by the picture of a duck coming down at Jesus' baptism. But he said a dove. I figured it out after I stopped giggling. Um, even in this moment, Jesus, who is fully divine, uh, has this extra measure of participation from God to say, yes, you are righteous and will live this life. And Mark doesn't give us a whole lot of transition. There's no fluff in between. It's just immediately Jesus goes to the wilderness 
and faces temptation. The other accounts give us all this back and forth about the devil promises this and Jesus says this. Mark's account says that he went and was tempted and the angels tended to him. Friends, let's just pause for long enough that uh, the second person of the Trinity took on flesh and the angels still needed to tend to him. If you think you're going to white knuckle it through your temptation and your struggles, you aren't Jesus. If Jesus needed God's grace and the angels to bear with, with him in these moments of temptation, we do too. Dick's smiling. It's true. I can't sugarcoat this any other way. You cannot be good enough. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot make yourself uh, uh, resistant to every temptation there is, but praise God that he can. And so just as Jesus let the angels tend to him, may we let God's spirit tend to us. And then Jesus went and did the last part of today's text, which is immediately launches into this declaration, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and change your lives. I keep wanting to make us Jesus and have us say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, change your lives. Uh, I think what instead we need to hear is, friends, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, let's us repent and change our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. May we observe a holy Lent. May we, through the power of the Spirit, be transformed, that we are repentant people. May the Spirit enable our lives to be different. In the face of temptation, may uh, the God Most High tend to us. I have no interest in doing another Lent where we just give up something and try to make ourselves holy. It looks good on TV, but it just isn't what these texts are inviting us to. And we, we Methodists, uh, we, we love to fall back on free will. Um, Jesus Christ, God himself, needed God to tend to him. So do we. May that be our Lenten cry as God, tend to me. Transform me. Pour out your grace upon me. In the season of light, we learned about how God was revealed. Now may he show us how we might live in the season of life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, it is hard to fathom how you both show us God and then show us how to be our best selves. You reveal the heart of the God most high and you suffer trials and tribulations and temptations and fears and woe. You have the power to call down legions of angels and yet you humbled yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Lord, would you show us how to be humble and declare our need for you to tend to us for your spirit to give us power, your spirit to lead us to repentance, your spirit to change our lives. Lord, may this be a holy Lent. And may it be through your spirit. Lord, lavish us with your grace that we might grow in love of you and love of our neighbor. And that in this season of Lent, in and through us, the world might see your face. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.